composition and layout. A face of everybody and no one in particular. No, I genuinely am an artist and I do art all day long. Most artists don't make a living out of what they're doing. I dream about it at night, trying to get those letter forms. I'm obsessed with art. Hello and welcome to this episode of Art Related Nonsense. I'm Stuart from Inspiring City and Art Related Nonsense is our podcast with Art Republic and today uh, we're in Bristol speaking to Benjamin Thomas Taylor. Hi Ben. Hello, how are you doing? Thanks for helping me find the studio by the way, that's, I got a little bit lost earlier. That's fine, it's a bit of a nightmare around here isn't it? Yeah, yeah a couple of buses and then a wonder <laughs> suddenly found my way here. Yeah. How long have you been in Bristol? It's a quite creative city, isn't it? Yeah, it's an amazing place. Um, my wife and I moved here about two years ago when we had twins. We decided to up sticks and move out of Hackney and, yeah, come to um, Bristol. Great place, great art scene and also it's kind of a different different pace of life as well, I think. It's, it's, you've got more time to take things in. But, so you had the twins and was that the, that sort of forced your hands to say, I need some country, I need to get out of the big city? I, um, I think it was more about being close to family. <laughs> as much help as you get, especially if two come along at once. And also, yeah, I think it's a bit, there's a bit, there's more space here as well, and it's less, you're less kind of rents are cheaper and yeah, and things like that. So yeah, yeah. And how long were you, were you were you in London for then? Um, I was in London. I graduated from the University of Brighton in 2006 and pretty much moved straight up. First of all, I went to Hackneywick in 2006 and lived in a live workspace there, and then stayed in Hackney then until yeah just a couple of years ago um, it's been quite a fun place i mean hackney wicker was there the other day and it, i mean it's changing beyond our belief and in 2006 that would have been a very different place to how it is now it was i think when i moved there it was even before the 2006 was even before the bid for the olympics and i think that was the kind of catalyst for the change really yeah when i went there it was um yeah it was very 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 different um i lived in a place called oslo house which was a live workspace, you know, it was no thrills. You know, the only, the only kind of amenities there were a news agent, I think it was like a Londis, and a greasy spoon. And that, you know, and there was a, like a pizza shop saying, selling like one pound, nine inch pizzas or seven inch pizzas. That was it. If you, if you go to Hackneywick now, it's completely different. But it was, it was a great place to be. I remember kind of going to a party at a guy's house and this guy was called the Yellow Man and he only ever wore yellow clothes. And I was like, okay, fine. I think he went to the Royal College at the time. He's probably a famous artist now, I'm not sure. <laughs> I went to his house, you know, this guy continued it on. The whole, the whole, his whole flat on the studio was yellow. Even the taps were yellow, everything was yellow. You'd have the most amazing things going on at these parties from, you know, just no noise bands <laughs> to, to a yellow house. It was great, it was really, really fun. But now, yeah, it's, it's completely different now. I was, I was there the other day and a lot of this, the old sort of buildings have, have gone down, a lot of the old artist studios, I think, where people used to be and now they're, it's high rises, isn't it? It's... Yeah, and you go there, yeah, there's lots of bars, wine bars and drinking out of jam jars and things like that. But, you so know, you... Just gentrification, <laughs> I suppose, really, but it happens everywhere, I suppose. But, yeah. Must have been good though. I mean, you know, when you sort you finished your your studies, you're coming in and you've got this sort of shared workspace. So that must have been quite a good time for you creatively. Yeah, I think I look back on that time and yeah, I get goose pimples as well sometimes because it's just it's just it was so it was so creative for me that time. Being at uni was great. It was amazing, and being in Brighton was amazing. But there was always a feeling that someone was kind of watching over your shoulder what you were doing. There was kind of pressures there. 
um, even if you didn't quite realise it at the time. And then as soon as uh, you know, I moved to London, first of all, London being a place where there's loads of galleries. I mean, Brighton's amazing, but there's not loads of galleries. So there's such an abundance of art. And then living living in a place like Oslo House in Hatley Wick was, you know, really, really inspiring. And also there was no one looking over your shoulder, you know. You didn't have to have a crit about your work. And I think I really, really enjoyed that. And I really embraced that. And that has continued, I think, you know, for the last 10, 10 years, just, just really kind of making art that I want to make, you know, and that was, you know, not, not thinking I had to make art in a certain way to please someone or fit in or, you know, it was always, you know, making art that I really wanted to make, so yeah. And, and, in, and speaking of your art, we're in, we're in your studio now and we've got your art all over. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, the, the things that, that spring to mind about your art, I mean, it's bright, it's vibrant, yeah. it's colourful. And, and there's, there's a lot of, so you use, use a lot of letters as well and words and text-based uh, yeah. things. Like Can you just tell me something about what it is that you do? If we talk about the words first, maybe, I mean, I think when I was younger, I, I was always in bands um, because I love music as well. I just loved, I loved like, I love song titles and, and, and coming up with song titles and also coming up with titles for artworks and a lot of the times the titles come first or I've got like a, a sketchbook full of titles and they'll match up with something so the words were always always quite important for me in in that way and I think that way is a, a, play, a playful way really you know words are something that are, are playful I still have words or slogans that I've come up with a lot of the times quite randomly or sometimes kind of inspired maybe contextually by authors or something I've read and I've got some which I you know I still want to use which I came up with you know 10 years ago when I was living in in, in a warehouse in Hackney but then I'm always continuing to come up with them so that's I think that's why I have a lot of words in my work and if I have a look back um, I actually got my old sketchbooks out a few weeks ago because I've just I'd started lecturing at a college and they're kind of around foundation age and do a foundation degree so I thought I'd take the sketchbooks in and they're full of writing I didn't I almost forgot that I did so much writing with my work so I think that's where the where the title and the writing comes from, and and the, and the colourfulness. I just love big blocks of colour. One of my favourite artists is Roy Lichtenstein, and I think just because just because he uses just massive blocks of colour, and I just think there's something so kind of sensual and so lovely about just looking at a block of colour. But then underneath underneath the work, even though they look joyous and they are joyous, there there are more things going on which aren't always apparent. This piece here with the rainbows and clouds. Is, is very kind of untypical of a landscape because it hasn't kind of got a perspective or a horizon in it. For me, it references the Tower of Babel where in the Bible, I'm not religious, but I always loved that story of where human beings tried to build a tower up to the heavens. And it kind of references things like that, that piece as well. And it's kind of ever never-ending landscape going up to the skies. Wow, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't have guessed that, but it's interesting to see that that's what's, what's, what's behind it. Because I, I look at that and I look at, an alpine scene, series of alpine yeah, scenes yeah. merging and blending into yeah. each other with waterfalls and bridges and forestry and all that. But but actually, it's it's meant to be placed on top of one another. Is that right? So you yeah, it's almost like you know, it's almost like a ladder up to the sky. I mean, that that piece and and the other piece in that series were kind of based quite deeply on <clears throat> kind of life and loss and birth. I think kind of yeah, those kind of big issues in life because it was at a time when. Uh, there was a time when I was, myself my wife were having twins and stuff, so bringing people to the world. And there was a time when actually I lost uh, my grandmother, who I was very, very close to. So it was kind of the, they're almost kind of like ways into heaven or ways into a new, a new kind of world. But at the same time, quite joyous. So the titles as well is reunited with everything you've ever lost. So that could be like your wallet or it could be someone you love. 
so you know it's different things and this one is everyone you've ever met at the same place at the, in the same place at the same time so it's kind of like brings together makes you think about all your life in, in, in kind of one short moment I think. And, and some of the other works that are around here I mean, I've got this piece just next to me and it's um, it says flamingo uh, with an exclamation mark in the background there's these flamingos but then within the text there's this sort of little numbers it's like a paint paint by numbers thing as if, as if somebody could could fill in the letters yeah my work I think has always been about giving the viewer a sense of possibility a sense that something could happen or they could do something or they they could make something or or it brings them in into the work they could be part of this work as well artists all have themes in their work and you as an artist I think you're always trying to work out what your themes are Um, and I think that's that feeling of possibility almost like a child walking into a sweet shop is is something that I've recognized in my work and in my how I work creatively for quite a long time and about when about maybe eight nine years ago it looked I, I kind of bought an old paint by numbers kit and those kind of two ideas um kind of merged and I played a, around a lot with old paint by number kits in many different forms I used to make a lot of installation art opposed to um these prints these paintings which you see now um, and one of the earlier ones earliest ones was just the skeleton of the paint by numbers without any paint on it and then just piles of pigment in front of it so you could kind of make that connection between the paint and going on um, and if you've ever seen a pile of pigment before it's turned into paint it's one of the most magical things you could ever see it's just so rich that's that's where it comes from really. and then I then I start developing it and bringing in the ideas of the titles and and to what you kind of more see today in my work well on, on back onto this this rainbow piece actually look when I look at it closely now actually you've got the little numbers dotted around in here they're ever so they're ever so delicate they're ever so small but they're all there yeah, it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this piece is created, developing on from the paint by numbers idea. I started to collect lots of old kits, um, paint by number kits, and a piece like this is created from collaging different bits of each kit of about 30 or 40 kits together. So I might take a tree out of one kit. I think that's my child trying to get. I think I think your children are trying to get into the room. <laughs> uh, I might take uh, yeah a house out of one, a tree out of another, a rock out of another, a mountain out of another, um, and then collage them back into a reimagined landscape. And then by hand, I'll then put all the lines back in, all the colours in, and then all the numbers back in. So it creates this new landscape which has the paint by numbers theme in it. So. It's kind of that joyous thing. It's also, it's also, it's also, you know, paint by numbers. You know that they're these kind of like harmless bits of art kit that some people get irate about because <laughs> they don't see them as art and they're not art. But it's kind of having that. I really like the idea of having something which is thought of as quite crass in a way, but then you've got these kind of more serious themes behind it and ideas. Because I'm not someone who just likes paint by number kits, so I made some based on paint by numbers. You know, I've, I've. I've been you know in 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 art's been a must part of my life for a long long time and now I lecture and you know so it's it's you know it's not a trivial thing to me but it's nice having I like that ratio between the kind of trivial but then the seriousness as well and I think I'm I'm sure it annoys some people but (laughs) I mean a lot of people like it as well so it's fine. Do you remember your first memory your your first artistic memory? Yeah I I think it was my mum drawing a picture of a bus and I was just like wow that's so amazing my mum's rubbish at drawing. (laughs) But I was just so amazed by this, like this drawing of a bus. I think it was when maybe I was off school once. Maybe it was, maybe it's because I was ill or something. And my mum used to work from home anyway, so I just used to draw a lot all the time. 
I used to live with my gran as well as my mum and my gran had this cupboard in her room and it was just full of stationery and I remember going in there as a really small child and just opening it up and looking in there and thinking about all the things I could do with the stationery and I think maybe that's where talking about it now where the idea kind of possibility comes from because I was looking at kind of stationery <laughs> getting a bit too excited and maybe that comes back to kind of the paint my numbers idea or the what sort of age is that what? Oh, it must have been when I was about three or four, oh, yes. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> like, what old as these guys would be kind of come in here now? And that's one of the reasons why I love having my studio at home as well, because I did have it out of my home for a while. Um, and one of the reasons why I like it, probably because of that, that is a, a massive memory for me as a child. It's, I really like it. These, my boys love coming in here and opening up the paint boxes and the toolboxes and taking things out and playing with them and sussing them out. And I think I really like that kind of dynamic with the studio as well. You got to wonder what sort of memories they're forming as they yeah. walk into your studio and they see the colour and the paint and the pens and definitely. all that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hopefully not oversaturating them with art <laughs> so they just think it's really normal. Because when I grew up, my family weren't into... I remember my grand could draw, but art wasn't something that was um, important and my parents weren't into art and my family weren't into art and it wasn't something that was was ever really a part of our lives. I just always drew and paint. My brothers didn't. They just they weren't at all. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I really liked it, because it wasn't there much. I'm kind of a bit wary that they might get oversaturated and hate it, but that's fine. Then they can be like, a, you know, they didn't have to be an artist then, do they? So it's fine. <laughs> I read somewhere, did you grow up in North Wales? Is that yeah, where you originally yeah, from? yeah. I grew up in a kind of faded old seaside town called Olcowen, which was kind of built up around in the Victorian times when they built the railways. It was where people from Manchester and Liverpool and stuff would usually come on holiday. And as soon as they built the railway through to Holyhead, which then went to Ireland, more and more people, including probably my family, then settled there. So you get a lot of English-speaking people on the coast there. So it's kind of faded there, but then you, you go back. And it's, I, I find it quite beautiful. However, the little villages and towns are places which are quite run down now. If you go back, you, then you go like half a mile and you're in Snowdonia, which is probably the most, one of the most beautiful landscapes in the whole world. So I grew up around the most dramatic landscapes, but also kind of like faded seaside glamour, and I suppose, as well. But yeah, really dramatic landscapes because it's all made of granite rock. It's just so high and it's empower, you know, it overpowers you really. It's amazing. I remember when I did my foundation course, I did my foundation course over in Menai, which is by Bangor. And I, you'd have to drive through places like Penmaimaur every day. And, you know, you, it was just amazing. And one of, my, one of my tutors there, Peter Prendergast, who's really quite a famous Welsh painter, and passed away now, sadly. You know, he would, he, you know, he, he would be painting these massive dramatic landscapes. And, it was, yeah, it was a big theme of my foundation. And my other tutor, Ewan Parry, yeah, created these landscapes as well, just all, you know, very inspired by kind of being Welsh, but being in that landscape. Um, and I, ha I do have a massive attachment to that landscape and being from there, even though my, my work is as it is now, I was always massively inspired by those artists and by my tutors who, who just drew from, painted from the landscape. And, you know, my work now has these mountainous landscapes in. So, yeah, but I've, looked, I've come from it from a different point, but it is still a massive, massive thing in my work. I can see when you're talking about it in your energy that yeah. you give off. It must be wonderful. Yeah. It must be wonderful. I mean, I've been to Snowdon many times. Yeah. And I've, I've hiked those, those mountains. Have you ever spent much time hiking and sort of exploring them? Yeah, definitely. I spent my summers going up past um, 
near Capel Curragh or by Bettisacoid and just with friends, just spending time jumping into the rivers and the uh, like lagoons and just, you know, just spending yeah time in the landscape. But also I loved the landscape when it was kind of in the dead of winter and it was dark and, you know, it was, uh, and it rains a lot up there. So it's, it has a massive effect on you. And when, when, when you're from there as well, it, you know, you kind of, I think it's quite different. You know, you, I can go to like the Lake District or other beautiful places, been to Devon and it's amazing, it's beautiful. But when you're from a place, you, I think it slightly means more. Yeah, there's, there's more of a connection. It, it's, you know, you kind of feel it's part of you a bit more than maybe if you go and visit somewhere. And when did you leave there? Was that, was that to go to uni in Brighton? Was yeah, it? so I stayed there to do my foundation course because Mene had a great one and they had these artists there who were really great, who I really liked before going there, who were the tutors. So I went there and then after I finished there, I moved to Brighton because I'd heard really great things about Brighton. And also I was always, I was always intrigued about living in somewhere completely different, living in a city, living in a place that is maybe much more liberal, much more, maybe more exciting in some ways. Because even though you have this beautiful landscape and things, you know, around those places like where I grew up, like Old Colwyn or Colwyn Bay or Llandidno, it's quite conservative. I remember doing a paper round uh, when I was younger and, um, you know, you weren't delivering the Guardian newspaper, you were delivering like um, the Sun or, not even the Sun, but you know, the Telegraph and things like that. So it was, it was it's an amazing, amazing place. but. You know, I wanted to experience where people were maybe a little bit more open, a little bit freer, a little bit less conservative. And so I went to Brighton, which is kind of like the bang opposite. <laughs> oh, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this is really good. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was definitely very different. And then after that, then I moved to London. So what was it that you studied in Brighton? What was fine art painting, yeah. I always, I always wanted to paint. I always felt like a painter. I remember, I think I was in maybe year eight at school, my... A teacher who was called Gwyn Owen, who was like just an absolute legend to me, <laughs> but he was he was fun, but he was really serious, and um, the rest of the class were doing something else, and he would he make me do landscape painting drawing, so he'd go out and take photos on a, a weekend, and then bring them in to me, and they'd be of like the landscape, the Welsh landscapes they'd only around there, and instead of me doing what the rest of the class was doing, he'd just give me these photographs, he was right, draw and paint them, and he would teach me to paint and draw, and one of the yeah, I remember one technique he just showed me and then just opened up and I would just then paint landscapes and go there at lunchtime and after schools and just stay up in my bedroom until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night listening to John Peel just painting on my bed, like landscapes and main landscapes, but also I, I, I liked uh, painting like magazine cutouts from magazines and fashion magazines and things like that. So there's always lots of different things going on in my work. It sounds like from the way you've been speaking, a lot of your influences have come from tutors and teachers and sort of those sort of figures. Would that be right? I think in those, I don't think necessarily when I went to University of Brighton, I don't think, um, before that, I think, I don't think I, I, I was that inspired by my tutors. There was one guy actually who I was, who came later on in a course called Tom Hammock, who's now doing really, really well. But he was just bloody enthusiastic and he was amazing and he'd come in and be like, what's this? This is bloody great. I was like, wow, amazing. Um, I didn't really kind of click with the my other tutors at Brighton. Um, but prior to that, those tutors had a big impact on me. And even, yeah, and then I think uh, Tom Hammock as well at Brighton had a massive influence and his work is very landscapey as well. And yeah, it's, it's amazing, really. <laughs> One thing that I like to, to ask um, my guests on the podcast <laughs> is um, 
if something comes to mind, maybe an artwork, an artist, a show that you, you'd visited that, that had an impact on you in some way, does anything come to mind? Yeah, there, there are lots, um, and lots of different levels as well. I remember when I first moved to London, after living in Hackneywick for just under a year, I moved to Tudor Grove, which if anyone knows Hackney, it's near the Dolphin. If anyone's been to the Dolphin, then um, <laughs> it's a pretty crazy place. And it was near there, which is next to Viner Street. And it was at the time when Viner Street was becoming, before it became more kind of commercialised in a way. But you'd have lots of amazing galleries there, like the Wilkinson Gallery and things like that. I remember seeing a show by Boo Ritson. So Boo Ritson is an artist who, when you see her work and you, know, you don't know her, I walked into the exhibition and I was like, what is that? Is that a painting? Is it a sculpture? Is it a print? And I liked the way that messed with my head and I didn't quite know what it was. Kind of my orientation as the viewer was, was really skewiffed by what the hell is this? And she actually paints Instead of doing portraits, she paints, so if you were there now, she would, I think she'd cover you in Vaseline and then just paint you with household paint. And so you, you should paint all your skin, all your clothes, and you'd have to do it really, really quickly in about two, three minutes. And then she'd all set up so the photographer would be there and then she'd go, right, and finish. And then they'd take the shot and then you'd have a kind of a portrait, but it, it was like a, you'd be painted, so it's like a painting, but it's like a photograph, they'd sell editions of it. Um, I remember one where it's, the show I went to where it's kind of all about American culture and they had like a cop who had a coffee and I think right at the end she must have just swirled the paint in the coffee cup and it was just, it was just a, it was kind of I had that kind of like really kind of sudden you know, burst of energy because of that and it was yeah I think that show had a big impact on me and then going to shows during that period because when I was in Brighton you're not you, you don't have that kind of gallery scene going on and literally my house was next door to it so yeah, to having that kind of freedom after university and having that on doorstep and seeing art every day like that, it was incredible. But then, you know, so many shows. I remember going to, I remember going to galleries on my foundation course. I think we went to Prague and the, and the, the art galleries there and things. And it was just, just ever coming out of school and seeing art in one way, then going on a foundation course and seeing these galleries and these art, you just, I just, just everything I saw was like, wow, 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 wow. Now, you know, I, I think my taste is more for certain, you know, certain things. So I get more excited by more things than other things. But before then, when you're kind of first seeing kind of like a moonless sculpture of a block in a gallery, like, wow, how do I get away with that? It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, but then, you know, I remember going to um, the Henry Matisse cutout show at the Tate and you just almost drawn to tears really like it was so exciting seeing that i first saw your work in the art republic gallery yes of course in brighton yeah. which is where you actually ironically you, you studied but you weren't but you've only recently got involved in the art republic haven't you yeah i met um helen who works for art republic um she came i was doing an art fair in london and she came along and really liked my work and so we had a chat and then yeah so it's only in October so I think they kind of started showing it there probably around November time so it's a relatively really new thing but they they yeah they they are fantastic really really they really they give you really good advice they know you know they know what's going on they're really knowledgeable so it's really exciting working with someone like that because there's so many people who, who, who give you advice sometimes and sometimes it's not quite right you know, I think with Art Republic, they've given me bits of advice that's been really, really good as well. But I've only really been sharing properly for kind of the year before that, really. So, um, yeah, it's all quite new at the moment, even though I've been making art for, 
you know, since, since I was about three or four, since my mum drew the bus. So in terms of all that, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, you look at your work and it's, it's, it's very accomplished and you'd think that you've been painting, or sorry, exhibiting, you've been painting for a long time, mm. but exhibiting for a lot longer than you have. And, and yeah, what, 2015, 2016 is when you started. Yeah, well, when I, when I first left university, I was making more installation-based work, so it was very, very different. And then from the live workspace, I lived in um, Tudor Grove um, in Hackney by Vanish Street. Started running a gallery from there as well. And then I'd, I'd have kind of, so I would show at those gallery nights. And that was back in 2008. But you'd show quite a lot, but it'd be very like DIY. Yeah, I think I've put a show on of my artwork and a few friends' artworks who just graduated. And I had my favourite band at the time called The Crisps. Um, who lived who lived in Victoria Park um, in London. They were, I think they were doing an MA at Chelsea at the time. And they were the most amazing band. They played on my bed, um, like a gig. It had like a double bass and stuff. It was absolutely amazing. So it was all quite chaotic. Um, but then I was making installations. And then I, what I just thought from then is that I, I've done loads of different shows, never really quite happy with my work, never quite let it go. And I was just like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to go away and I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to make something that that really works for me that I can look back on in two years, three years, four years and not have any doubts about that. I just think, yes, that's really good and try and, I mean, almost finish artwork. I think, you know, um, I don't think you should finish artwork when you come out of uni. I think that was very, uh, you know, very good quality to have. You just never finish something. But I think I was at a stage where I was like ready, I was ready to finish a piece of artwork. So then that took, and yeah, that really took until yeah, around 2015, 2016, really where um, where I'd start showing. And the thing is with art, you can't you can't push yourself. Like, I don't think you've you've almost got to be asked to come to the party. You can't like invite yourself. You can't. I I've never approached a gallery or I've never tried to push it. You've kind of just got to be patient and wait. And thankfully now people are helping me out, which is great. Sounds like just getting ready, an evolution really, just yeah. just biding your time and then did something click and think actually now now this is it. Now I'm ready to exhibit my work in the way that I'm doing. Yeah, I got into the other art fair, which was a big thing for me. The one in London, October 2016, and re really since then, I remember doing that, and that was really my first proper thing that I did. A lot of people bought my work, but also I was approached, not by Art Republic at that point, that was last October, but you know, people at the print club who had been you know, looking at their artwork and their website and following them for ages, and loads of galleries like that, and then, from doing that show three weeks later, I was then doing some of the affordable art fairs, and now, yeah, and now, I mean, I think I've had probably about ten shows in the last three or four months. So yeah, it's, now it's very busy. And just one final question: You've talked about your love of music, and you were in a few bands early. What did what did you play, or did you or did you sing? What did you do in these bands? In the early ones, I just sang because I couldn't play anything. I was that typical person who just kind of wanted to be involved in creating stuff, but wasn't actually very good at. Um, wasn't actually good at playing, but then, um, but then I did kind of uh, solo projects. Um, I had a few, had like a folk outfit called Loud Like a Lion, but it's like a one-person band where I do these kind of, kind of folky songs. Um, but then they were they were quite childish as well. Like they were called Fire Engine and Buffalo. And, um, but that was good. Played some nice gigs, and then uh, I had another one where I bought a laptop. And as soon as I bought the laptop and had this thing called Garage Band where you record music. Um, I started to kind of make these backing tracks on the on 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 
on on the computer then play live with her. I had kids. I used to play with kids Argos guitar, but like it was just twenty quid, and then put a really expensive pickup on it, and um, and that was great as well. But then then, and it was all about creating stuff really, especially especially the stuff with the laptop. It was so free. I'd like, write a song in two minutes and then put some stuff over it, and it'd be done in an hour, and I'd go and play it that night or something. It was amazing. But then I actually decided to stop that, wrap that up, because actually it was taking up a lot of my time as well. I was doing both. Actually living in this really small flat in Hoxton. And I had like <laughs> my studio desk there and then like just had all my instruments around as well. So there's always two things going at once. But then I just kind of decided to stop the music and just, you know, I spread myself too thinly, just do artwork. And then thankfully six years from there, it's kind of paying dividends now. So yeah. you ever go back to music, ever release fire engine as a <laughs> well now 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 I've got kids you know if I, I can't I can't even pick up the guitar because if they're in uh, I only I, if they'll be in bed and I'll probably wake them up but the, you know I just kind of uh, play guitar now to um, make my kids dance which is fine it's like, like John Cash covers and stuff like that or um, you know the Femme Fatales or something like that just um, Violent Femme sorry um, and play, play songs that make them dance instead so that's my musical output at the moment so but um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that that sounds like <laughs> a, a brilliant way to end uh, Ben thanks very much for talking to Art Related Nonsense you.